0: Ah, uh, here we go again. Another compliance training. Welcome, and thank you for joining me today to talk uh, about fiscal compliance so in the new year. Hello, DIY narrators. Welcome back. Josh Risser here. I just want to thank you very much for uh, the great response to last week's episode. It went over well, gave me a little bit of fire to push out this next episode, which is something I talked about in last week's episode and probably, I don't know, there's like 30 of them now, so 29 other episodes called Intent. We're gonna talk about what intent is and how you can bring intent or intention into your e-learning narration. The thing is, it's not about what you're saying, it's not about how you're saying it, it's why you're saying it. And I'm going to steal just a little bit of language out of this Backstage article written by Larry Conroy back in 2009, which this year was four years, so that makes 2009 like 15 years ago. Larry Conroy's a coach and he wrote this article for Backstage Magazine, Backstage.com, I'll put a link in the comments called, What is the Difference Between an Action, an Objective, and an Intention? And I've covered these before, but I'll use his definitions because they're very much to the point. You can tell this guy knows what he's talking about. Action is what an actor playing a character does or says to achieve an objective. So your actions are your speaking the script of your e-learning. Your objective, what the character wants or what the character's goal is. Well, if we think for a second, what's the point of e-learning? Well, to get someone to perform a task in a certain way, or to get them to absorb the knowledge so they can apply that to their job. Basically, learning. It's right there in the title. And then intention, which he says is perhaps the most important job an actor has, the meaning of the line or what's going on in the actor's mind, the subtext. Now, obviously, he goes on to mention how these three things are connected. You can't have an objective that doesn't create an intention, and you can't have an action without a reason for that action and without an intention behind the whole thing. If you have no intention and no objective, and you're just performing an action, it doesn't make you much better than a toddler. My three-year-old, Dylan, will often be doing something, say, scraping a comb up and down the wall. Totally was not happening this morning. And I go, Dylan, why are you doing that? She looks at me and goes, because I'm doing it. And in her case, it's probably true. It's making a sound. We've got textured walls, so it's bouncing. It's vibrating in her hand. She's learning a lot, actually, from that. She doesn't have that intention, but maybe instinctually, she does have an instinctual behavior that causes her to go, oh, this feels weird. I'm learning something about texture and sound and speed and velocity and all these weird things that are connected in her body. And yeah. Maybe there is an intention. Maybe you can't do an action without an intention. When I ask you to do something or when I'm trying to explain something for you to do, I want it to be something that you can very simply incorporate into your day-to-day narration, practice, and the actual projects that you're working on. And despite the fact that I've read a number of acting books and taken some acting classes and stuff, a lot of it really comes down to just connecting with why you would actually perform the action that you're doing what are you trying to get out of it that's your objective and why are you personally trying to do the action and that's your intention and to give you a little bit of a heuristic to work with because that's really the best way that i can give you something simple that you can take away and apply immediately and then continually improve because of your continual application I want you to think back to elementary school when you're learning the main questions to ask. Who, what, where, when, why, how. In this case, the most important part is why, but you still can answer all those questions. Like, who? The who can be, who are you in the situation where you're instructing the learner? And the who could be, who is your learner? Answering both of those questions is very important. Who is your learner? As in, what do they already know? How long have they been on the job? What's their base knowledge? I'm using basically all the questions right there, but that all fleshes out the who and honestly answers a lot of the other questions that you'll come across. Who are you? Well, are you a peer to that person who's just been on the job a little longer? Are you senior to that person? Are you kind of tangentially related to that person, maybe as like a trainer or something like that? What's the role, not you specifically, but you as the person Who is the character narrating? Who is that person in relation to the learner? And these are all examples that you can kind of intuit sometimes, and sometimes you might not understand, and it might help you if you actually think about these questions more specifically. Next, we've got what. What are we trying to achieve? And this, like we said earlier, is the objective. What's the point of this module or course? Are we trying to introduce a new concept? Are we trying to speed up their day-to-day activities? Are we trying to correct a problem that's been existing out there? Are we trying to introduce just some changes to something that they already know? All of those need to be approached slightly differently. And without going too deep into the technical, actual execution stuff of how the what's impact your performance, just think of them a little bit into like, okay, if someone already might know 80% of this knowledge, maybe I can go a little bit faster and then just focus and slow down on the important changes, just respecting what their current knowledge is. Or if this is something new, maybe I make sure that I bullet the main things so they can walk away with the four or five important things that they know are really important. Now that you've told them what was really important, instead of the full 20-minute e-learning that they'll never remember all of, they just need the important stuff. And then the additional stuff is the context that kind of helps them hang their coat on a hook adjacent to one of knowledge that they already have. That's a really weird metaphor. Then we've got where, which is a question that on first glance you might just toss out because it has to do with like physical location. But it does kind of influence your performance a little bit. If you think of it, in a way of like, okay, where could I be when this person would ask me this question? If it's a really deep question, it's possible that you're going to be already in a training scenario, and then this is going to have to come up. If it's kind of a surface question, they're probably going to be asking that question maybe just at the water cooler. And I think I've said this before in a previous episode, where someone just walks up to the water cooler and they're like, hey, you're the trainer. You know, I've been having this problem with whatever... What can I do to fix that? The where is at the water cooler. You give them a water cooler answer with water cooler tone and a water cooler kind of, you know, point of view that comes with hanging out at the water cooler. First, you're, you know, talking about the latest episode of whatever, and next, they're asking you how to do their job better. That's not necessarily a formal learning situation, but it's often a very effective learning situation, especially when it comes to like word of mouth type knowledge that's spread from worker to worker. Man, that's the kind of stuff that sticks sometimes to the chagrin of the training department. I'm having flashbacks to when I worked in a call center for a cable company, and it spread around the call floor that it was a good idea to have customers touch the end of the coaxial cable to their tongue to discharge any static electricity. I wish I knew who that started with. But that is that word-of-mouth knowledge, man. You just can't get away from it. All right, so we've got who, what, where. Now we've got when when is kind of weird because first of all it's not when are they taking the training it's when is this knowledge going to need to be incorporated and it's honestly something that probably fits more into the script than into your performance but it's important for you to know as a narrator because the when will directly impact the urgency that's put into any lines that might deal with when the knowledge goes into effect so if it's a policy change that's going into effect at the beginning of the year then you want to make sure that you, you know, put that in. If it's something that happens immediately after they take the training, you want to make sure that they know the word immediately is really important. I also remember people going, oh yeah, I had that training, but I didn't know that that was actually happening yet, or something like that, and it's like, come on man, why would we train you on it if it wasn't happening yet? Man, the flashbacks, the flashbacks today are getting me. Uh so this might be something that's better put into the script and as the DIY narrator you have that power as me as a third party narrator a lot of times I don't even know that unless it's explicitly stated in the script and then my urgency comes from you know getting the script on like a Friday afternoon that says hey any way we could get this back by Monday because this is you know needs to go out on Tuesday but that's all right I pride myself in quick turnaround I think that's probably why I get those emails And that brings us to the most important one, the why, which I've spent the last 10 minutes building up to, and we're going to skip to go to how, because we're not ready for why yet. I didn't put the questions in a certain order. You're just going to have to wait. No, seriously. I mean, just, just hold on. We'll get there. How, the W that starts with an H. There's a few whows that we need to worry about. Uh, the first one is obviously how are they going to be taking this is it going to be you know headphones on their own on an ipad you just have to think about those things through and that's more of like an instructional design issue than it is a narration issue one thing i might say about that is just remember that you're speaking right into someone's ears if they're on headphones and that microphone's not too far away so you don't really need to project just use your normal speaking voice pretend that microphone's an ear because you wouldn't be yelling at it if an ear was, you know, 8 to 10 inches away from your face. Even my 90-year-old grandpa can hear normal speaking voice from 10 inches away. Alright, so the important how here. How will this be received by the learner? This is probably the one that's going to influence your intent and your actual performance way more than the other how. How will it be received by the learner basically means have a little empathy, for how the change is going to impact that person's day-to-day life and the stress levels. Now, if we're just doing like new promotions or new updates to, you know, maybe a service offering or something like that, it's not a big deal. But if we're changing fundamentally how they might do part of their job, we need to understand that, you know, this it could be a big change to some people. It could be really stressful, and we need to have a little empathy for that, and that should come through in your voice. And that right there is reason enough to never use a robot, because robots, they don't have empathy. They don't care. Even the software like Descript, who can take a sample of your voice and do a pretty good representation of it, they they can't add empathy. And that's just a genuine understanding of how the change might impact someone's feelings about their job and what kind of you know, stressors it might put on them day to day. It's really important, I mean, just in regular life, but it's also really important to have some empathy and respect for the learner. And then that brings us to the why. So, why? Why are you saying these things? And you have to be really careful here, because it's not what. Let's take this for example. We are instituting a new change to the way someone does their job to speed them up. Now, you might think, oh, well, the reason we're doing this, the why we're making this change is to speed them up. That's actually the what we're trying to accomplish. That's not why we're doing it. The next what that might be masquerading as a why inside your head, especially for this particular scenario, is that speeding them up increases their throughput and their output, which increases the bottom line. And that might very well be the case for the company if their intent is just to. You know, improve the stock price, improve the bottom line, and produce great quarterly financials for their shareholders. But that can't be your why. That cannot be your why, because then that blows up all the empathy. All we are basically need to do is tell people, do your job faster so we can make more money. This is how you're going to do it faster. Unless your narration character is Scrooge McDuck, that's not a good why. Contextually, you're going to have to figure out how you can make the why of this training module personal. It also very much helps if your personal why can be the learner's personal why. And going back to Larry Conroy's article on Backstage, make it personal is how he defines the character's intention. So, how do we do that? Well, for that, we're going to flash back again to when I was a corporate in person trainer and. For me, the goal of the training department is to remove a variable from why someone likes to do their job. If you think of all the reasons you might hate to do your job, one of it might be because it's really complex, and you're always making mistakes, and you're doing things wrong, and every time you perform some sort of action, you get in trouble because you did something wrong, or you missed the cover sheet on your TPS report, or it's really frustrating because you sit down to do your job and you just want to be good at your job every day. You want to get some satisfaction from a job well done, but you don't feel like you have the tools to do your job well. And tools might be internal tools, maybe the skills, or tools might be the actual physical tools, or you do have the tools, but you don't know how to use them. So think about all the things from previous jobs that you had that maybe you hated. As a trainer in the classroom, my job was to remove those variables from whether or not they liked the job. I didn't want them to hate the job because they didn't know how to do the job or they couldn't do the job effectively and efficiently. And that was my personal why in the classroom. And that helps me when I bring my personal why into the modules that I'm narrating. And honestly I feel like that's a good starting point to have that kind of personal why that goes okay. The person taking this they want to do their job as well as they can do and personally I want them to be able to do their job as well as effectively as efficiently as they can be. I want them to help every customer as effectively and efficiently as they can be so that customer's happy and tell someone else to come to us if they need whatever it is we have for them. And now look That satisfies the company's why of maybe making some money. But you can't start with the money. But this can change from time to time because that why doesn't work if we're doing like a benefits training for someone. If we're doing 2020-2021 benefits trainings, now the personal why of wanting them to do their job as effectively as they can maybe isn't that good. But maybe for them to make the best choices for their family when it comes to picking health insurance or making the best choices for their future when it comes to enrolling in the retirement plan. You have to look at, okay, what's the real reason someone would care that this information matters? And that goes back to that training concept with them, right? What's in it for me? There we go. What's in it for the learner? And why are you the person? Why do you want to help them? So find that why in your personal life that fits your learner's why that will help influence your narration and understand why are you saying these things you still have to put yourself in the scenario you still have to pretend or act your way through the situation where you're telling the person this face to face one on one you're speaking to one person but your intention will change the way something sounds and then once you've uncovered all of that you just drop it all let it inform your performance but you don't keep it in the front of your mind, because you can't think about all the technicalities. You can't keep all that in your head and speak through the script. And if you want to know how that's possible, go back to the previous episode and learn how to practice. Because seriously, use the heuristic of who, what, where, when, why, how, who, what, where, when, how, why, and then approach your narration. Use the heuristic, approach your narration. Use the heuristic, approach your narration do about a billion loops of that, directing yourself, getting feedback from others, people you trust, and uh, yeah, you'll, you'll get better, chipping away, chipping away, a little bit at a time. If you have any questions for me, head over to diynarrator.com, there's a little questions box, or you can shoot me an email, host at diynarrator.com. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter which I think if you recently signed up, you might not have gotten the little bonus that comes along with that. So I'm going to fix that in MailChimp, and then I'm going to send it out to the whole list. So if you sign up and you don't get it, it's just the five foundations of narration document. I'll make sure you get that. There'll be a link in the next show announcement episode that comes out, and then I'll fix it in the welcome email. But you won't have to worry because you're already on the list. Also, another great reason to sign up for the newsletter is is I've got a software review coming up from one of our favorite software companies out there. I'm not going to drop the name, but they released a new audio editing software. I got invited to the beta because I have part of their, um, part of their beta test program, I guess, and I didn't sign up. And then it just officially launched and I haven't checked it out yet. So I'm going to download the trial and I'm going to, you know, fake some e-learning and see how it fits into my workflow which i feel like my workflow especially for e-learning is super efficient using reaper i don't necessarily think from what i've seen i don't i don't think the software is really gonna fit my workflow um and i think it might be making bad edits so we'll find out we'll find out so keep an eye out for that show notes over at diynarrator.com be sure to connect over on linkedin if you're interested And if you're just getting this on the website, why haven't you subscribed in your podcatcher yet? Get Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, we're in Spotify now, really coming up in the world. The links are all right there on DIYNarrator.com. Thanks again for joining me. Appreciate your time. Stay well.